0: Okay, so welcome back. Thanks for being here. Uh, today is Thursday, August 13, and this is continuing this uh, series presenting teaching, Life and Teachings of Nityananda. Now we're in Chittikash Gita. This is uh, class, I guess, 23. And before we go to the text mainly based on Voice of the Self, translated by M.P. Pandit, uh, where we were on page 7. I was thinking about the current time on Earth and uh, the Christian term Great Tribulation. And uh, it seems to me, like I've said, that in some ways this is World War III, which is both an East-West conflict, or West versus East, and, uh, elite or leadership versus the people, um, very serious in many nations. And the term great tribulation from the Greek, Greek, the Greek original is Tlipsis megale." Tlipsis, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S, Tlipsis thlip, Megali. Megali, uh, like mega means great. Uh, wide, broad, massive, intense. So massive, deep, intense, strong. Thlipsis. What's thlipsis? Well, the Wikipedia page I gave basically sums it up in the second paragraph, saying um, afflictions afflictions of those hard pressed by siege and calamities of war. And in it's the their intro section on futurism says, in the futurist view of Christian eschatology, meaning end times teaching, tribulation is a relatively short period of time where everyone will experience worldwide hardships, disasters, famine, war, pain, and suffering, which will affect all of creation, certainly all of this world, and precede judgment of the wicked people of the earth when the second coming takes place. Well, it certainly precedes dimensional shift and is associated with the harvesting or three-way split where people are demonstrating where they stand, where what their values are. Uh, honesty and kindness, seeing clearly and speaking it, or seeing clearly and being kindly and goodly to the people around us, or domination, tyranny, control, uh, or head in the sand, um, submissive uh, obedience, and um, not thinking for oneself which is the typical non-polarized 3D repeating so but the real thing that I I, I was um, impressed by or that noted to me uh, important here is that the etymology of the word clipsis the great tribulation the the original uh, clipsis actually means pressure and uh, tlibo, tlibo, is the root of Tlipsis, which is translated as tribulation. It's, um, not quite a tribulation, or it's a tribulation that is itself a consequence. Of what? Well, uh, the, the root Tlibo, before Tlipsis, translated as tra- uh, tribulation, actually is sque- to squeeze, compress, oppress, and distress and so this is a great squeezing this is a time of heavy pressure we are heavily being pressured there's heavy strong great intense broad far reaching inner outer pressure so this is a time of high stress uh, where there's much oppression compression stress squeezing so it's a great squeezing uh, and a great pressure a great pressuring. And that's, um, I think, uh, a useful perspective to understand personal process. Certainly we can see it externally, but the personal process of how I feel and how I'm thinking and how I'm doing for each of us uh, is where the real work uh, must be directed. I mean, you can do whatever you want externally, but in terms of returning to balance for the self, for one's own experience. It's working, uh, working against, working with this great pressuring, this great pressure, this great stress and squeezing and oppression that we feel, that we may well feel internally. And so we need to depressurize. <laughs> we need to uh, move out of distress and address the oppression that we're feeling. And so uh, relieving pressure, depressurizing um, in a healthy way to come back to balance is certainly necessary. And so it was just helpful for me to see the etymology of the word translated as tribulation being klipsis or tlipo, uh, coming back to pressure and squeezing and oppressing, but particularly squeezing and oppressuring. The great pressuring is another term for the tribulation. And this is a time of great pressuring and high pressure that we're all under. And that's, I think, true (laughs) or reality. And I think we need to accept that. I mean, it's going to be variable for each person, but in general, this is a great pressuring, top-down, as well as with the green ray uh, influence on the planet growing uh, facilitating uh, the arising of um, distortion leavings and fragments of the unhealed wounding <clears throat> associated with lower triad blockage, Right, stuff being pushed up, the log jam of lower triad blockage pushed up by increased pronic flow associated with uh, planetary metaphysical green ray stimulation being of the planet moving into fourth density. And so uh, that may be useful to help us characterize the nature of our personal experience here and what the world or humanity is going through as a great pressuring, uh, pressured time. Okay, now I want to go back to Voice of the Self. Uh, We're on page uh, 7 of the Chittakash Gita. Uh, I understand that that there's been some problem with the links uh, on Voice of the Self or on archive.org. I have to figure that out. Sometimes they don't work, sometimes they do work. (laughs) Negativity is at play, perhaps, I don't know. But jumping back to Chittakash Gita, translating with the translation based on M.P. Pandit's uh, version in Voice of the Self, Uh, middle page seven, Uh, what we see is three uh, stanzas, and this is where we left off last time, associated with um, what is is sort of a correct determination of what's mine and what's yours. What, where, the the specificity and targeting of... Um, structure and function, what needs to be done, where and by whom. So, Nityananda, the translations, on, starting on page 7, do not eat what is served for someone else, serve yourself on another plate. What other people are going through, there are, again, multiple interpretations of all these um, utterances. But one group of transla- of of interpretations from me, uh, what is for others is not for you. Uh, you need to take care of yourself and do for yourself what, you, what only you can do for yourself. Uh, others can give guidance, but only we can make use of it. Uh, so only self can heal the self by the powers of self, as Ross said. <clears throat> and so the troubles of the world also uh, are not uh, always mine. And the suffering of others, I mean, the suffering of others may grieve us and we may feel pain. And yet, uh, it's what's being served to them. And we can help and do whatever you wish. Meanwhile, it's what's being served them. And we really need to address what's being served to us. And uh, jealousy and envy as well um, need to be um, balanced out. Because, um, in a certain sense what we have is perfect as is perfect in the sense that we've established the roots for its um, occurrence then Nityananda, next verse it's not that one has more and another has less the faculties of thinking, the ear, the nose the hands, the eyes are the same for all and so the rich man is rich And faces various problems. The poor man is poor and faces various problems. Um, Comparison to others is helpful, but it needs to be uh, understood as, um, I think, potentially a learning, an object lesson for our self-learning. And in many ways we don't understand what's going on for others and we have only partial understanding of why we're being served what we're being served uh, at any one time in our life. Why is this happening? We can answer that, but not fully, but partially and sufficiently, and then uh, have sufficient understanding of why this is coming, which really means what can I learn, which really means uh, how can I work with it or working with it leading to some balancing uh, will be understood, can be understood as the purpose for its being served to me. And so uh, we all have the capacity for working out of suffering, meaning lessening it. Uh, And yet um, we can learn from others' process, but it's only when we're ready to apply it to ourselves that we really can get in gear and um, make substantive change. So then next, there is no nose where the eye should be. What is done by the feet is done by the feet alone. What should be done by the hands cannot be done by the head. Again, uh, structure and function and the correct uh, uh, acknowledging um, divine um, location (laughs) or um, appropriate function, uh, like what is for you is not for me your challenges are not the same as mine as your benefits uh, are for you and my benefits are for me uh, that you know again just is a point that is uh, can lead to many understandings and so um, what can be done now may not be able to be done later and Yet, uh, what can be done now is what should be done now in the way of self-balancing and healing uh, and making good decision. Uh, but we can't make a decision unless we have capacity. And so if there's confusion, the first work is to address the confusion and get some answers or some understanding. Then right decision can be then it can be made, but not yet, and not until there's understanding. So, end of page seven, the new material. Uh, the verse goes from again, M.P. Pandit. The head is an ocean of bliss. The prana linga, that is within it, is the seat of liberation. Prana, meaning the universal energy or etheric energy, light, love, light, intelligent energy. Linga, a prana, a linga as a sort of phallus, but also an energy, a, a rod of power. Somebody needs to stay muted there. Uh, this knowledge that the, os- the head is an ocean of bliss, prana linga, that is within it, within the head, is the seat of liberation from the head. This knowledge or knowing, gnosis, or jnana, is not obtained from books, but directly in the head. The book is a fragment, the head is a whole. The book has chapters, the head has one soul chapter. Books are for those who are not secured in knowledge. Stable, eternal, and indivisible is knowledge, meaning Yana, Yos- noses. When one is born, he is born with a head, not with a book. Neither while coming nor while departing is there a book meaning birth and death. It's only there. It's there only in the interregnum, meaning in the middle, meaning uh, while we're having the long phase of incarnation experience. Both at birth and at death, one is free. Maya comes in only at in the middle. What exists everywhere in all the four directions is the indivisible one. What is there within it, limited is the divisible, the many. And so there's the one and there's the many, and one should not confuse them, even if it's um, two ways of speaking of the same. Likewise, um, there's a difference between book knowledge or book information and direct knowledge or jana or gnosis, direct knowing realization. And... Um, the, know, the knowledge, or the yana, of liberation, or freedom, final freedom, final liberation, mukti, moksha, complete perfect enlightenment, as well as successive stages of increasing freedom, uh, is not obtained by books. It's obtained directly in the head, but the head must be unified with the heart, to the extent that, you know, 246 line, to the extent that the heart is open, the head may be the seat of liberation. So it's not a head over heart. It's a a heart-based head. It's the heart in the head, Chittakash, that is the liberation he's he's, uh, identifying here, I think. And so there's intellectual knowing, and um, there is full being uh, knowing. And so that's very similar to the difference between uh, manas and buddhi. There is the knowing of knowledge, like from books associated with manas. There is the knowing of full being uh, realization akin to buddhi. And so books are for those not secured in knowledge, (laughs) in jnana. And so meanwhile, um, books can be helpful to do the work of uh, unifying head and heart, leading to liberation in the head. So uh, the book can give what the book can give, and uh, liberation yet is not dependent on that. This is um, similar to what's for the what what the hands can do, the eyes cannot do. What the eyes can do, the hands cannot do. Um, real liberation is not found in a book, nor in manas, nor by thinking, nor by diet. Alone, Diet may be helpful. And this is similar to one of the three fetters broken in Sathapanna, in Buddhism, which is attachment to rites and rituals. Uh, Physical performance, uh, in and of itself, is not liberation. It can assist liberation, but in and of itself, it's not a mechanical, quantitative matter, that the more I do practice, the more enlightened I become, or doing practice, I become enlightened just by the practice. It's by the consequences of the practice or the usage of the practice. Going down. Next. Mud is not where water flows. All is clean. Ignorance is the mud. Bhakti and jnana is the water. To give a little money or a little food is not bhakti. Bhakti is love. To give up duality and look on all with equality, that is bhakti. And so... Again, there is this and there is that. They should not be confused. In the world of, uh, you know, we are on the path, or so it seems, we have a vivid experience of change, of past, present, future, time, of here and there, space. Thus, we experience the many. Uh, It's maybe essentially illusory and empty, yet it has a relative truth. There's the, mm-hmm. the relative truth, the two truths in Buddhism. And so, water flows not where there's mud. Um, and so, mud is avidya. While clear flowing water is bhakti and jnana. Bhakti is devotion or love. jnana is knowing, not by the book, but by the heart-centered head. By the um, uh, jittakash. Right? Akash as the sky of awareness, and chitta as um, total mind. And now again, there are different ways of using different words, but uh, you, you know you can say there's manas, buddhi, chitta, and vijnana, and atman, <laughs> and akara. Right? So now I don't really know everything about how everything uh, is understood by Nityananda, obviously we can say that awareness is vijñāna obviously that's a strict translation there is a vidya based awareness or con- let's just say let's just say vijñāna as consciousness in my usage of the term consciousness vijñāna as fifth in buddhism this is based in ignorance even a vidya, even consciousness is born of ignorance said Gautama. that is Subjectivist, ahamkārik, uh, conceit, separative self-based consciousness. Consciousness as based in ignorance or born of ignorance, avidya, is therefore uh, eighth fetter. Ka- like mana or tanamana, the craving of uh, conceit. Conceit craving. Which is subjectivist, which is dualistic, which is so-called ego, which is ahamkāra meaning i am you i am me and you are you and here is here is this and there is that and time and space are real and that's the illusion of separation the illusion of uh, duality uh when that's and that's very much associated with manas where that transits uh to non-duality how i would say uh vijñāna transits to vijnanam anidasanam, meaning consciousness without surface, as we see in, in the suttas before from Buddhism. Uh, consciousness without surface, I do think, yes, is akin to um, cosmic consciousness or cosmic awareness or um, non-subjectivist awareness, non-dual awareness. Fine. Is that a self? <laughs> no. Uh, it could be called self-realization. It's a realization of true nature. But it's not separative, it's not dualistic, and therefore I would say, okay, we use the word awareness rather than consciousness. Uh, manas is uh, as lower mind or discriminate or sort of dif- differentiating intellect, um, is very much associated with duality and ahamkara or the solid, separative sense of self and consciousness, born of ignorance. And that then by bhakti by love. Fourth ray um, leads to emptying lower triad blockage, leading manas to unite with buddhi, leading to a freedom from uh, illusory, separative subjectivity, ahamkara, eighth fetter conceit, based on restlessness and avidya, and um, greater freedom. And so uh, that's not mud. <laughs> So, with love, uh, not by performance, giving a little money, giving a little food, not bhakti, but by real love, right, real green ray activation, that bhakti leads to jana. That's fifth chakra, sixth chakra activation, and that leads um, to a union of manas and buddhi, and the realization of non-duality, and great, greater capacity for discernment, obviously, and that is what he says to give up duality and look on all with equality that is bhakti so love as the basis of awareness beyond duality beyond separative selfhood experience and that is not mud (laughs) so there is water and there is mud and you should know the difference and there is manas and there is buddhi and you should know the difference there is pain and there is uh, sukha and we should know the difference and we should also know that there is uh, dukkha in sukha We should know what is. Going on. One without control of the breath is no yogi, no sannyasi. The boat cannot be steered without a rudder. So rudder is uh, the control of the breath, prana. Now, control of the breath doesn't mean I walk around doing pranayama uh, by um, prolonged, uh, you know, concentrative meditation. Any technique, really, leading to shamatha and samadhi. Shamatha as tranquility, samadhi as um, concentrated, calm, abiding concentration, and tran- uh, uh, concentration and, and and non-proliferation, meaning freedom from um, continually eruptive thinking, feeling. Uh, by that, uh, prana is controlled. Not controlled by the conscious mind doing practice or technique, eventually, but um, quelled and stilled and pacified, and uh, goes where it should go, and that that happens that kundalini does its own work actually, and prana um, self-regulates when we're centered in green blue indigo. Going on, if I am good, all is good. I should be good by myself, meaning no one can make me good. And no one can make us well. Somebody can be treating us poorly. uh, We won't feel so well. uh, And yet someone, um, our reaction is our own. And uh, one may be loved deeply by many and in depression. One may be treated poorly and not despair. Uh, clearly one should wonder why one is staying with someone who's treating one poorly. Uh, that's um, pretty common sense. Uh, I can be, some people I've in counseling have talked about, well, I want to use, I want to stay in this relationship with my partner who's abusive or dysfunctional. So dysfunctional relationship, not win-win. My partner is abusive or selfish, but I want to stay so I can overcome it. What do you mean overcome it? So that I can be well with it? How can you be well with abuse? So that I can be free of triggering triggered reactivity? Mm, okay. So that I can see clearly, take good care of myself, and uh, react in uh, a mature way, which I've not been able to do heretofore. Okay. When one can do that, well, why does one stay? <laughs> you can use, um, you know, bitterness to be free of um, triggered, emotional, distorted reaction to bitterness. But then when one is relatively free from triggered emotional reactivity to bitterness or mistreatment, why does one stay? That's useful to consider too. So, yet, um, uh, if I am good, all is good. Well, I can't quite feel good because of uh, the suffering of others in the world. I once had an experience, personally, that tapping into certain massive thrusts, a a stream of of misery on earth, uh, I had this very clear sense, how could I ever be happy for the rest of my life while this continues? Well, at some level, I can't. Uh, On the other hand... um, I can be free, I need to be free of attachment to anger, judgment, blame, pity, hopelessness, fear, discouragement, depression. So I can be free of attachment to that, or I try to be. Uh, I can uh, take what's true and, and uh, drop what's false. So I take the truth that there's tremendous human suffering... Yes, wanderers really are brothers and sisters of sorrow, as Ross said. I take that truth, <clears throat> but I wish to drop my unnecessary emotional reactivity. Well, um, but I don't want to fake it, and I will be. Hon- I want to honor my pain. Doesn't mean grow it. It means not suppress it. So, without grasping an aversion. First of the two, three unwholesome roots or poisons: right, grasping, aversion, ignorance. I don't want to suppress it, nor do I want to elaborate it. I want to accept it and admit it, but I don't want to be stuck in emotional reactivity. But I do wish to uh, continue seeing clearly what is. But at some level, what's being what what's going on here is what's being served to them is not mine. What's happening to others, I grieve but it's served to them not me it's served to me that it's being served to them yeah so what's my portion or on my plate is that I'm in a world with them but I'm not getting what they're getting I grieve that they're getting what they're getting and what I'm getting is the observation that they're getting bitter oppression and, and harm and violence done to them so I grieve and uh, truly, I cannot be happy, just perfectly happy, happy, in a world full of such pain and suffering and injustice and evil and wickedness. True. Okay. Good. Fine. This is World War III. This is tribulation. This is the end times. This is it. <laughs> yes, this is the apocalypse at Armageddon, the revelation of what is, um, at all levels, certainly more and more available. Nothing shall be hidden, said Yeshua. Uh and i'm not going to falsely elaborate i don't wish to stay attached to emotional grieving react over uh, exaggerated reactivity i don't want to suppress it and oppress it either i don't want to avoid it but i don't want to uh, unnecessarily grow it in my own experience of it um so it's not perhaps as simple and i'm not at nityananda's level to say if i'm good all is good but Take what's yours, and make, uh, you know, finish your portion of the work, Uh, and others will have to take their own. Do your own danda. You can't do anyone else's. Going on, we drink the juice of sugar cane and throw away the rind. Similarly, this body is a dwelling. When it decays, we build another. And the next verse was similar. Top of page nine on Voice of the Self, which is page thirty-three of the PDF. It is not the bird, but the nest that perishes. The nest is of matter. Of matter are nerves and veins. And in the arteries is the blood and the semen. This body of flesh is not permanent. It stinks if denied water for a single day. You cannot rely upon the human body. So there is the mind, there is the body. We are short-term in the body and long-term in the mind but eventually we'll get out of this mind as well. So there's uh, the rind and the juice. There is uh, the flesh and the awareness that is making use of the flesh. Now again, um, this, uh, to me, I see no problem in the apparent dualism in some of the language that they're using here compared to a very strictly Buddhist non-dual Madhyamaka, middle path, Nagarjuna approach. I have no problem <laughs> uh, listening to Nagarjuna and listening to Nityananda and listening to Gautama and listening to Ramana Maharshi. So Ramana Maharshi talks like Nityananda and Gautama or Nagarjuna <laughs> speaks like Gautama. Fine. So Nagarjuna, Madhyamaka, Buddhist, very fine philosophy talking about Freedom from affirmation and negation. No attachment to theory. No no fixed um, view, actually. neither My view is neither affirmation nor negation. Fine. <clears throat> so talking this way that apparently is some dualism of mind and matter, or body-mind, or spirit-physicality. Uh, as Ross said, the physical and the metaphysical are inseparable. And so... Strictly speaking, there is no physical and metaphysical. There's metaph- There's physical slash metaphysical or gross slash subtle. And then there's subtle slash gross or metaphysical slash physical. Okay, fine. There's uh, space-time and time-space, but they're inseparable. Okay. There's spirit and matter. Uh, but they're inseparable, so there's neither spirit or matter. Fine. I can do it. <laughs> no problem. I can do it. So, don't get stuck in teaching. Uh, teaching that appears to reify can be de-reified by knowing that it's all empty. And yet, apparently, reified, apparently dualistic affirmation, like the apparent... Uh, reified, strengthened dualism of saying that uh, the matter is one thing and you are another. Uh, That apparent concretized dualism, mind and body, they're not two, they're one. Well, they're neither two nor one. And they can be seen as both two and also seen as one. Okay. You know? (laughs) Don't get attached to duality. Don't get attached to unity. Mm. That's why God Thomas said it's incomprehensible or they're beyond view, not attached to theory. Yes, right, of course. So the purpose of this theory or this teaching, which appears to be reified dualism, meaning there's a bird and there's a nest. (laughs) You're the bird and the body's the nest. The body, the nest, is of matter and flesh and it stinks if you don't give it water and watch it can't rely on it, Uh, that's Godhead too, that's light too, fine, I can do it, you can do it too, (laughs) so don't get stuck in duality, don't get stuck in unity, Uh, don't get stuck in theory, but make good use of theory, make good use of view, don't get stuck in wrong view, but don't get stuck in no view, Mm -hmm. going on, Uh, mind takes form of thought, to replace gross thought by subtle thought is nirvikalpa samadhi <clears throat> meaning uh, samadhi beyond the um, non 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 proliferative samadhi perhaps which is a real samadhi to hold the bird in a cage tie its feet and teach it to talk and teach it to talk is samadhi <laughs> confine the mind in this cage of buddhi and learn within yourself boom and so a uh, very nice uh, perspective there. Uh, this is a uh, correlative of um, verse forty-nine from the other translations, from the uh, Ebdeer.net translation. Mind or Manas means the faculty of thoughts. Right. So when you're talking about thought. Uh, we're talking about distinct um, thought forms as Nityanaz said or the the Pandit translation mind takes form of thought I'm sure that's closer to the original but it may be useful to look at the other translations so Ebdir said manas means faculty of thoughts boom so now we have a good definition of thought of manas as um, thought form the, the thought form function and activity of mind then to forsake gross thoughts and be absorbed in subtle contemplation is nirvikalpa samadhi unobstructed at one ment <laughs> again many different translations of the different words nirvikalpa is a nice term um, you'll see it um, kind of explained some buddhist higher jhanas also by that term Samadhi is akin to tying down a bird in a cage and teaching it a language for it to speak. So too is the manas to be placed in buddhi, for one has to teach oneself. Very nice <laughs> translation, very nice explanation of um, uh, Buddhist meditation, actually, or mindfulness practice. Uh, From the Hatengi translation 49 mind is the creator of ideas but that's, so so you see buddhi even is, is you can say that thought forms are ideas, so manas associated with thought form or thought form production and ideas is still below buddhi or not yet buddhi, buddhi is not particular thought forms it's actually clear seeing that then later may come out as thought forms Then, goes on from Hatengi, when the gross ideas are suppressed and the man lives in the subtle, meaning buddhi, this state is called nirvikalpa samadhi or samadhi without ideas. (laughs) Samadhi without ideas. There's no samadhi with ideas, as far as I know. Just as we uh, teach a bird how to talk, keeping it in a cage with its feet bound, we must keep our mind in our buddhi. This really means um, uh, yoke, Manas to buddhi, which really means surrender the the I the thought form production facility to clear seeing awareness. A man must learn for himself. Yes, indeed. And so, again, teaching on the relationship between lower and higher mind, or manas and buddhi. Uh, in, in fact, to say that to replace gross thought by subtle thought is nirvikalpa samadhi. Is a different way of understanding buddhi. Is buddhi subtle thought? Is buddhi freedom from thought? Just because there's no thinking, does that mean it's buddhi? No. There's, um, four, you know, two by four plank in the head, no thought. That's called tree stump samadhi, <laughs> Buddhism. You know, everybody, they've been, Buddhists and Hindus have been covering the same ground for thousands of years, at least since Gautama. It's similar ground. The ground is the path from third to eighth density. The ground is the path from third density to eighth. Of course, that's the terrain that we're looking at. That's the path of the mountain, <laughs> from third density to eighth density. Um, and they have different views. So there is um, a fake samadhi and there's real samadhi. Tree stump samadhi. I think that's a Chinese Zen phrase. Uh, we also <laughs> That's where... <laughs> The guy with the keisaku slaps your shoulder or points you out and uh, smashes the shoulder blade, the the muscle to wake you up when you're in a kind of stoned, spaced out samadhi in the zendo. But there's um, real samadhi is quite clear, um, not spacey. It's not the silence of uh, dullness, it's the silence of uh, active, attentive, non production of thought and so uh holding the the bird in the cage tying its feet teaching it to talk (laughs) is a very cute um analogy for teaching the monkey mind to stop being a funky monkey settle down uh like the ox herding picture right teaching the ox the wild ox to settle down and be tethered eventually we can take away the tether and untie the bird's feet and the lower mind becomes the higher mind (laughs) lower and higher become one right so we focus on the metaphysical until we can realize that the metaphysical and the physical are one and so we focus on uh, the spiritual versus the material so that we can unify the material and the spiritual then we don't have to worry about any kind of binding of the material or yoking But morality remains. Mm. And so there's no spiritual bypassing and there's no harmful so-called crazy yogi action that's harmful. But one can untether after the lower is fully subordinated to and then at one with the higher mind, mental function. And that's um, akin to, in the first stage, uh, tying the bird in the cage, teaching him to talk, <clears throat> um, training the conscious mind the thought form producing Manas to be at to be well quiet to be you know play alone quiet play quietly alone <laughs> play alone quiet play quietly alone uh, learn to play quietly alone uh, is akin to the manas uh, enjoying tranquility I have a little dark blue butterfly flying wildly by the window, (laughs) and uh, learn within yourself, Uh, teach yourself, and um, that is very much, you know, talk about higher self-alignment, it's very much the subordination or the integration of the conscious mind and the subconscious, very much akin to the tethering, the restraint initially, the stage, the first stage, being restraint of significant restraint of behavior, right thought word and deed, uh, to avoid harm, so as to train the manas to support to to submit to buddhi, or to train the thought form producing mind to rest uh, comfortably quietly, um, where then where then there may be knowing, and buddhi. Uh, similar process going on this is a uh, middle of page 9 in the uh, voice of self but to manipulate like the turn of the key of the clock holding the nose by the hand looking up, holding the breath, doing acrobatics shows and the like is no samadhi And so he's talking, this is a criticism of um, pranayama technique when uh, practiced with some mistaken view that the practice is the liberation. Practice can lead to liberation. Technique, you know, Ross said begin and end in the creator, not in technique. Exactly what he's saying here. Uh, Technique is technique. Performance and practice is is a physical uh, activity. Its effect on the mind is <laughs> how you use it. <coughs> However we use it is um, critical, but uh, itself is not samadhi. itself is not liberation. itself is not transformation. There are lots of people doing lots of technique that remain very stuck in manas. And lower triad blockage and uh, harmful patterns I mean the scandals right Buddhist teachers scandals, Hindu teacher scandals, lots of teacher scandals, spiritual guru scandals why because they did technique, but it didn't get to it, it it's the the Samadhi that they achieved or or purity of mind heart was partial was. Not, I mean, it's always going to be partial until it's complete. It it um, it neglected a, a severely critical component, which is ahimsa technique and practice over decades. All the gurus, whether guru and roshi and rinpoché, so <laughs> Hindu guru, uh, Tibetan rinpoché. Japanese Roshi, all their scandals, when they were real scandals, sometimes they were falsely acclu- accused, I guess, but when they really acted scandalously, really, they did harm. Uh, it was because they had practiced decades uh, with a omission, neglect, uh, severe, severely critical omission and neglect uh, of restraint and harmlessness. And they didn't understand harmlessness. And there was a blockage in fourth ray, despite the great development of five and six. So um, that's a problem. And that's what happens or can happen when those, when people practice not knowing that uh, the rites and the rituals and the technique is not the purpose. <laughs> it's a means to an end. And the end may or may not be achieved simply by the practice and the technique. Going on, end of page nine. Uh, equality, just a moment. All right. Equality is the highest. In this world, they are mad after shadow, but few after the subtle. I'll, I'll just read it through and explain. Hardly one in a luck which is, I think, 10 million or two, Locke, has the true madness, right? So there's true and false madness. For the rest have a hundred madnesses within a while. I want this, I want that. This is different. That is other, and so on. Madness is nothing but fleeting ideas. Looseness is a madness. Solidity is a madness. There is a madness of those who've done sadhana which is a true madness the madness of jivan mukti living liberation that's just his translation living a jivan a jiva as sort of the incarnate soul the the phase of soul incarnate and mukti liberation there is this madness of those who've done sadhana the madness of jivan mukti there's also the madness of the gross in those who do not see Innumerable houses, diamonds, jewels, gold, lands. But these are not brought while coming, nor carried while passing. You can't take it with you. Now, of course, negatively oriented souls that um, do their service to self lifestyle uh, can take with them their continued polarization on the negative path. But (laughs) most of them have no idea what the hell that means. And uh, it's a crapshoot. And they may end themselves shooting themselves into crap after death because they weren't, you know, they weren't negative at base of beingness and they lived their lives serve the self. And not simply lusted after property and possessions, but also manipulation and control and domination of the minds of others. And they may find themselves, they will. I mean, most of them will find themselves in hell. And it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm very much looking forward to <clears throat> going through the, the list of human personalities and uh, looking at where they went after death. Um, Gautama can do that in, birth, in embodied condition. I can't, obviously. But I'm uh, very interesting to know who went where after the Incarnation because uh, this is a demonstration of karmic law. And it uh, does seem that um, uh, high-level or uh, well-controlled negatives defer their painful karmic return till after their death. So, is there no justice in this world? No, but for some, the just just deserts, just return, karmic return, of their harm in service to self or their harm to others uh, will come only after death on the other side. So, here, equality is the highest. Now, other translations of that uh, this is uh, 51 from Captain Hatengi, which gets us to the next page of the uh, Chittakash Gita verses on Nichinanda tradition.org. He wrote, the sense of equality is the greatest thing in the world. What is the sense of equality? You know, <laughs> um, again, it's not so clear with every translation. 51 from Ebdir, to have samadhrishti, samadrishti, maybe right something, uh, equanimity is supreme. So he translated it, <laughs> presuming to be from voice of the self, where the MP 10 pundit on voice of the self is equality is the highest. In Ebdir, which presumes to be of that translation, wrote, equanimity is the supreme. So, the world is crazy, this is Ebdir, the world is crazy about the illusory, craze for the subtle is rare. So, this is again, the distinction, the two types of madness, right? Madness or lust or longing or strong desire. For what? Strong desire to liberation is fine. Uh, strong desire for material accumulation and control uh, will, will lead to great suffering. Um, and he said, among tens of thousands, see, people who just um, don't care. <laughs> they don't love their teacher and the teaching enough to be an accurate translation. Who? How dare you? How dare you? So, meaning he, he, he was one lock or two. That's what we get from uh, the MP Pandit translation. Um, hardly one in a lock or two has the true madness. And Mr. Ebdir, or whoever this was, um, this uh, Randall fonts perhaps, uh, presumes that he knows better, and rather than say one lock or two, which really means, I believe, one ten million, if we... Let me clear that up. Luck, yeah, is... What, what? Beep, beep, beep. A lock is 100,000. Somewhere else I saw it as 10 million. Just a moment. I will clear up my ignorance. Okay, all right. A lock is not 10 million. A lock is 100,000. And a crore is 10 million. Okay, so, you know, <laughs> this is not a world of great honesty. I wish to be greatly honest. I apologize when I repeat mistaken uh, assessments. Uh, so a lock is 100,000, and a crore is 10,000. So it's really not among tens of thousands. It's among 100,000 or 200,000. <laughs> but Randall Fonts did it his own way and said, among tens of thousands, there's only one who's genuinely crazed about the subtle. It just bothers me. That's how humanity gets screwed. It screws itself again and again. In in a a thousand, you know, if you want to do something monumental, take good care of the tiny. Uh, Taoists understand that. Uh, The the leader ruling a great nation is like cooking a small fish. Yeah, right. Pay attention to small detail. So one small detail is um, a commitment to surrender personal desire to an accurate translation so one in a lock or one in a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand has the true madness and so that's interesting i mean if you did the number the percentage you probably see there's some truth there or that it's mathematically accurate and that one out of a hundred thousand or one out of two hundred thousand is spiritually committed deeply spiritually committed somebody could do i'll do that percentage later For rest, they have a hundred madnesses within a while. (laughs) Meaning, uh, this is a world of 3D repeaters, of course. And so, um, nearly everyone is concerned with the material only. I mean, most people are not crazed for material aggrandizement or power and control and domination. Most people are not at all. But there's spiritual madness and longing and lust, and there's uh, material madness and longing and lust... I mean, lust is really just of the physical, but uh, there are two ways to go. There are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to choose the road you're on. So, be careful. (laughs) Page 10. The body neither exists nor departs. Hmm. Who stays and does is the one doer. While coming out of the womb, it is breath prana alone that one brings, and breath it is that one leaves while going, birth and death. Neither possessions nor fame are there where all is one. Differences are only here, not there. The avadut is the highest among men. Even the yogi or the sannyasi seeks for a siddhi. The avadutta seeks for none. Avadutta is, um, this is what uh, Dhafri John called himself. (laughs) Uh, Anybody who calls himself an Avadut might be questionable. Avadut, and again, I'm not an expert on everything, sorry. If you want an expert, go somewhere else. But um, from a quick read, uh, Wikipedia, uh, the Sanskrit word, abaduta, abaduta, uh, comes from the root to shake. <laughs> He's shaken uh, shaken out the false. Fully shook free. Fully shaken, self shook. That um, there's no more shaking left. F- uh, the end of vibration. <laughs> the end of restlessness, the end of the last three fetters, 10, nine, eight, avidya, restlessness, and uh, conceit, or uh, craving conceit, which is basically ahamkara. So the end of ahamkara, the end of restlessness, the end of primary avidya, akin to a final, finished, finally shaken, finished shaking, avadud. And that's not a bad way of looking at it. <coughs> And so, uh, people, everybody has their own view, Uh, and then it came to be uh, associated with um, crazy wisdom or rejection of social norms. Uh, May well be, may not be. um, The fully shaken one, (laughs) the post-shaking one, Seeks nothing, doesn't seek a city. Hmm, I know somebody who seeks city. And um, seeking nothing is better than seeking something. Seeking to be free is better than seeking to get. And because you can't keep. And yet, and yet, you know, what's the rush? So the purpose of creation is not to get out of creation. It's to experience creation or seven-dimensional existence, 31 planes. You know, Ross said, the original desire is entities seek and become one. That's their view from late Sixth Density. So, from late Sixth Density, their view of the Logoic plan or purpose is that beings, entities, beingnesses, um, seek and become one. Do spiritual practice, seven chakra transformation, and return to unity. And then, of course, they go beyond that. And yet, um, there is value, again, this is my view, um, to working through, to, to experiencing all things desired, uh, so long as you're not hurting self and other, and yet you'll always be hurting self and other. Mm. <laughs> if you're not perfected, if we're, as we are not perfected, uh, desires in association with others generally have some degree or nearly always have some degree of harm. Now there's service to other and uh, pure service. Yes. Um, But that's not a seeking um, that's a kind of um, seeking sharing being and seeking others' freedom determined by themselves. Not um, service by imposition. Don't impose in service. Don't be presumptuous. Don't um impose will in in offering service uh, so the avadutta seeking no city you see again he was looking he was dealing with people who deep in the hindu or the vedantic tradition brahmanical tradition saw lots of yogis with cities magical powers uh, and he's saying that's not that that's not important so again a distinction Cartesian duality between the body and the doer. Uh, but it's, it's very straightforward, really, I think. Um, the one that can speak of body-mind is not body-mind. <laughs> the one speaking of body-mind is not body-mind. Now, the one that can speak of spirit and speak of path is not path. And so that's the notion that leads us to some uh, apparent reified dualism, It's only reified if you don't know that uh, words are empty. If you know that words are empty, there's no reification in the use of words. Mm -hmm. So who stays and does is the one doer. The one that speaks is the one doer. It's the one, (laughs) which is infinity. And so uh, the nature of the one is boundless and indefinable. Uh, is that not uh, samyak sambodhi? Mm? No, not? Well, coming out of the womb, it's breath alone that one brings. One comes in on a stream of prana. The, the you know, um, in Buddhism, you know, they had a big problem <laughs> over the centuries. If there's no self, what reincarnates? Mm. And then they said, well, it's the uh, the karmic propensity stream okay fine whatever it doesn't matter that we don't have precise metaphysical comprehension in 3d in 3d form it doesn't matter i mean ultimately everything is incomprehensible <laughs> there's only total comprehension when one is out of the octave of course so <clears throat> every all all apparent knowing in the octave or before you're fully and perfectly enlightened is uh, delusive or illusory or partially you know mistaken Of course you're either free of avidya or you're not. And so only when you're free of avidya are you free of any misunderstanding? So all of these words are um, pointers to the goal at best. So coming out, coming back into birth, birth into the life and death into the greater life, Um, It's only, all all that we, all that the doer or the seer or the knower has is prana. Then, uh, don't chase after magical powers. Chase after the freedom that is um, true nature. Going on. uh, Last verse, page 10 of the text, or 34 of the... PDF Sat with chit results in Ananda Paramananda Sri Satchitananda. Paramananda is in the head, Brahmananda is a Brahmananda in the Brahmanadi in the head. Ananda means bliss, right? Ananda ensues from Brahmananda added to Brahmananda. Double double. More and more is paramananda. There is bliss Ananda Shivananda when the Jivatman is in union with the Paramatman. There is Paraman Paramananda in the head, the Ananda of Jivanmukti, eternal Ananda, Supreme Ananda. (coughs) And that's bliss, obviously. So bliss as Ananda, Nityananda as endless bliss. Satchit Ananda is a term that's used in Vedanta commonly to explain the uh, condition of full mukti, liberation. Uh, samyak sambodhi, <laughs> the complete and right perfect enlightenment, I'd say, in Buddhism, no different. I mean, it really is, it, it is just, it, it, it's just arrogant to say that I know that the supreme goal of the Vedantic path is lower or higher than the supreme goal of the Buddha Dhamma path, it's just arrogant, and wrong. If you're not there, you can't know. So I won't say either is higher, but it seems quite clear <laughs> that they're the same, and they're just phrased differently. You know, they're different ways of phrasing um, the indefinable. You know, so Satchitananda, uh, sought as what truth and Chit as total true mind. Purified mind and then ananda bliss. So uh, truth, awareness, bliss. Fine, they're different translations. Paramananda means beyond parama param like gate gate paragate, parama ananda, beyond bliss, greatest bliss, Sri Sachidananda, Sachit Ananda is Sachidananda. Different ways of writing in English. So Uh, truth, (laughs) reality, awareness, bliss, um, truth, meaning the truth of, um, that the octave is infinity, (laughs) that everything is Godhead, infinity, two is one, and one is infinity, and infinity appears as the many that appear, that is a one, (laughs) that kind of reality, or that kind of sat, and then chit is the, is unfettered awareness, intelligent infinity, Hmm and the ananda is the bliss that comes out of that sure it's in the head it's not of the torso it's of um a spiritualized mind body returned to spirit Brahmananda in the brahma nadi meaning the channel energy pranic channel in the head sure it's of the head nadis of course but the rest of the seven chakra system or the rest of what's what's below the the head is also purified Chronically. it come Ananda bliss comes from Brahmananda to Brahmananda, again, again, double, double. And the doubling is really the union of what appeared to, but is ultimately one, and then essentially beyond numeration. How um, Jivatman is in union with Paramatman. That's it. Boom. That's the Atman or Sub Sublogos, Six Density Awareness sphere um, unified return to source of logoic um, sub-logos that I imagine appears in Eighth Density so in Eighth Density the guardians our friends my friend the guardians um are of those who have made a full union of Jivatman and Paramatman and they (laughs) um are the only ones who seem to know the total score um, with the logos and everyone of that level and up in the seven-dimensional octave. And so there's nothing wrong with uh, being in the head. <laughs> the point is that the heart should be in the head too. When the heart is in the head, uh, the the gut must be in the heart and the visceral, uh, the, the purified visceral uh, the heart-purified, visceral body-mind uh, is in the head. When it's in the head purified, then you have that um, that liberation or uh, Atman returning to source, which is um, Parmapan. So, that's it for today. All right. Next time, we go to the, continue with the middle of page 10 on Voice of the Self which is uh, page 34 on the PDF. I hope you can find it. Um, Thank you for being here. Uh, I really hope this was helpful to you here. So, please take good care of yourselves. See you next time, and good night.